Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse number 8 is where we're going to start. We were there last week, and we're going to... Um, we're going to keep going on that. Awesome. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 says this. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. Somebody say one. One, one. one purpose, okay? And when this says the man, this is also saying the woman who waters. Do we have any women in the house right here? And uh, this is not so much, this word is not so much a sex as a position uh, that God is calling us. We could say the son who waters or daughter who waters or uh, the daughter who plants have one purpose. And each one will be rewarded according to his own labor. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, you got some work to do. Come on. In, fa- in fact, God does not give us power and authority to sit inside of a church pew. Or we call them, I said, I said the word pew the other day and someone that's new to church is like, what's that? Um, and so anybody grew up in the church like me, I grew up under, I said, I grew up under the pew and they were like, what does that mean? Like, like literally. And I said, well, my mom was in the worship team and they would come and they would practice for hours, like these songs. And I had this, we had this game we'd play under the pews. We'd play tag under the pews and mess up all the offering envelopes and find all the weird candy that was left under there by the old ladies. Praise God. And, uh, and so, you know, it's one, it's, we, we have a job to do that after we get saved there, you've been employed, you you got the position, God, because of his grace, because of his mercy, there is something of purpose and destiny for us to do. And I know I'm talking to the right crowd because this is the group of dreamers that have probably moved their life to LA or grew up in LA and survived here and still going Come on, we got a group of people that says, man, I'm, I'm ready for the job God has for me. I'm excited for the job God has for me. I'm ready to step into the destiny God has for me. Come on, if that's the people I got, wave at me. Come on, you, this is the group of people. Awesome, awesome. So uh, it says this, that, that, that we have one purpose, and we will be rewarded according to somebody else's work. According to what? Our own labor. So if it's up to us, the reward that's coming, what does your reward look like? And, 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 and this is just a bonus. I mean, we got everything we need in Jesus, right? This is just a bonus that there's going to be rewards. When we get home, God's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's funny that many of us don't want to be servants of the Lord. We want to serve in how we want to serve. But... God is, God is wanting to welcome home the servants. Everyone can be safe, but there are a few that step into this realm of being a servant. And each man will be rewarded according to his pastor's work. According to his church's work. Right, so, so like, here's the deal. You're, you're a part of the team. You're, you're an employee. This is not to beat you down. This is to empower you. You're not a victim. You are a victor in Christ Jesus, right? You have the same thing I have. You have the same gospel I have. Look, it is not my job to go win the city. It is, it is our job to go love on the people in our worlds. And we're going to be 
we're going to be rewarded according to the labor that we do. This is good news, too, because some of us feel like the labor we've done is a waste or we're spending our time. You ever heard this? I'm spending my time. We need to get a new word. I'm investing my time. Uh, so when you spend something, it's gone, and it's not promised a return. But when you invest something, you're waiting for the investment to come back. When we love on our city, we are investing our love. When we love on people, we are investing our love because we are, we are promised a reward. Or, you know, no one in this room goes to, to a job that there is no reward at the end of two weeks for the job you did. doesn't matter how much you love your job or whatever. Even, even if you're a volunteer, there is something that you're looking for to receive back because my time is not a waste or spent. It's an investment. So here's the good news. If you're investing your time, there is something coming. There are rewards coming. And, and, I, and I believe that there aren't just rewards in heaven, that there are rewards in this life. My Bible says anyone who's left family, who's left job, who's left things for me and moved and done stuff, then, then there's a reward not just in heaven but on this earth as well. Anybody moved here to chase what God was calling you to do? Anybody, anybody had to leave some relationships that you really want to be around to be here? That there are rewards promised to you, and you need to believe for that. You need to, you need to capture that, and you need to go, hey, God, thank you. I'm, I'm here. Why am I telling this? Because then you start looking for what God's about to do. That's called faith. That's called trust. He's a good boss. Amen? Amen. For we are God's fellow workers. We're working with dad. We're working with God. You are God's field and God's building. So we're not only God's workers, we are also God's field and we are also God's building, but the people that we're doing work with are God's field. They're God's building. Ultimately, this person is not mine. These friends are not mine. They are God's. This, this, is, this is why we are working. Is that because we have a good boss? We have a good dad, and if he believed that we could do it, then we start believing that we can, we can walk with him and work with him. And the greatest pleasure is not just the work. The greatest pleasure is going to work with dad. I remember a long time ago, uh, Lyric, uh, I used to take the train from Orange County to get to the office here. And, uh, and Lyric, you know, I was, one time I was leaving for the train, and she was just bawling her eyes out. I didn't know it until my wife sent me a video and said, here's your daughter. She's missing you. And, and so I'm just crying all the way to fearless. And I'm like, God, I need to just get back on the train and go back. And, and so I called her right away. And I said, honey, tomorrow you can go with me to work. I forgot I told her that. But the next morning she woke up and she had her Princess Belle dress on. And she was going to go ride the train and go to work with dad. And, and I couldn't tell her no. So I said, all right, we got to figure it out. You know, we got on the train together. And the whole time, she's smiling from ear to ear. She's living it up. And she's not living it up because we're going to a job. She's living it up because she's going to a job with dad. This is what makes the work enjoyable. This is what the excitement comes from. Not the work of the ministry, but this is why people say, man, I fell out of love with my first love. My first love was not the job. My first love was doing the job with dad. I've been um, trying to be a better leader. I've been um, getting this place. We're, we have about uh, 600 people that will come throughout the day today. Probably today will be bigger because we have revival night tonight. So there will be a whole other opportunity for you to come again and be counted as a, 
amazing person of God for coming and praying with us. And, and tonight will be awesome. We're going to have wings as well by the shameless plug for the wings. Praise God. Jesus and wings. That can't get better than that. And, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, but we have probably about 3,000, maybe 2,000 people on a roster that have, have come through our church. I told you this, our, in L.A., church is like a parade. You're just preaching the gospel and people are going through. They, they come and they go. There will be several people that visit today either looking for a church or, man, they're like, man, I, I've never really gone to church. So they come and three months go by and they come again. And, you know, really the only time we see all of our church is really Christmas and Easter, mostly Easter. And everyone comes, and sometimes I'll say, man, who's the first time to our church? And there's like four people, but the rest of everyone has come throughout the year. And, and so my dream is that I not just have people that attend a service, but that we would create people that engage in why we do the service. If, if we get caught up in the service, see, anything that, that begins small uh, there is power, and there's a nucleus, and, and, and there's passion. And, and, you know, when we were all inside of a, uh, you know, my house as our office in my garage, there was this passion, man. We didn't have an office. It was sweaty. I mean, we had this weird air conditioner. But there were, there, we were close to the vision. We were close to the, to the why of what we were doing. And, and as churches grow, sometimes the what became, it actually works. The why to what you're doing works, and, and then there's a separation. The, the what becomes so great that we start focusing on the what, and then we lose the why. This is the place where people burn out. This is the place where people forget why we started this in the first place. And the what, the demand just keeps growing, keeps growing. People walk off. People get angry. People get bitter. The, the key that you have to do with any organization or any organism is remind it why it was born. Right? This is what had to happen to us when we came to Jesus. You remembered why you were born. You remembered that you weren't born for no cause and no purpose. There's a destiny on your life. This is what me and my wife are trying to do with fearless. We've come to a place where the what has grown so big. There are people coming from every service. We can't even keep up with the what. I meet people all the time. They're like, I go to your church. They're like giving me a hug. I'm like, I've never seen you. Like, like, I, I, I'm my first, is this your first time? They're like, no, I've been here for four months. I'm like... <laughs> Awesome. Praise God. Like, yeah, I remember those times. And, you know, I'm trying to stay connected and we're trying to keep our team knowing that there is a why behind the what. Yeah. The what is we come and set up all this gear and do all this stuff. But we got to remember why we started this in the first place. Because people don't buy the what. They buy into the why. The why creates trust. You know what the why says? You believe what I believe. Right? When we started Fearless, we're saying, man, we're going to love more and we're going to fear less. And we're going to do that because a scared world needs a fearless church. All of us came together and we said, man, we're tired of churches being fearful. We're tired of hating more and judging more, right? We're ready to, and hating more and fearing more. We're ready to love more and fear less. We're ready to be the church, not go to church. And we all rallied around I believe that can happen. I believe that's what the first church did. So that belief together creates trust. And trust creates faith. And that faith moves us forward to another level. So I've been just coming back to that place. I'm saying, God, I'm believing for 20,000 people. I'm believing for cities to be turned upside down. But I don't want to get there with only the what. We will only get there if we remember the why. You know, I can prove that. Most of you like Apple computers. But for years, 
Apple computers were not as good as Windows computers. There's been a switch at times because of viruses or whatever, but there was still that crowd that's like, oh, no way. I can do 10 times as much. It's cheaper. Right? How many of you guys know that a Windows computer is cheaper than an Apple's computer? But we didn't buy Apple computers because we were buying a computer. It's because they had a different why than their what. They had a purpose that they were going to change the world through technology. And we didn't buy into a computer. We bought into a why. We bought into a purpose. Now they can sell us whatever they want because we have the same why. We have the same belief that we should advance this world and transform our world. That things should be easier and it should help. Now people are jumping on the bandwagon. All they do is sell computers. But for some reason, people will put the sticker on their car. Some people have gotten the sticker tattooed on them, the apple, right? It's not what they do. It's why they do it. Let me ask you this. Why are we here? I know this is the what. We have the, the band, the choir, the, the preaching. The, this is the what. We do the what. But as long as we don't catch the why. You see, this verse is telling us we are God's workers. So here we are at a work meeting. We're gathering together. This, this, is, a, this, is, a, this is a staff meeting here today. We're, we're gathering together in our staff meeting, and we're planning how we're going to go back into the workforce, and we're going we're gonna to remember the why, and we're going to do the what, and we're going to walk in the how. We're going to be passionate about those things because we have a purpose. There is a cause that is bigger than the what we're doing. It's bigger than <laughs> preaching the gospel only. It's there's more than just a book. This, this is destiny. This is people's life. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause that is worth living for? And all of a sudden we've caught that. We come here and we're passionate about that. This is a meeting, and we are building the building. We are plowing the field so that there can be fruit and there can be life. He says, look, everyone will be rewarded according to the label. We are fellow workers with God. You are God's field. You are God's building. By the grace God has given me, Paul says this, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Thank you for your grace to do what I couldn't do. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. And here's why. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already been laid. <laughs> you got to be careful how you're building. you got, you got to be coherent in this thing that you're doing. Many people are workers with God and they have no clue. They're just like, you know, just going, just going. And they're like, dude, I'm taking, are you taking even notice of what you're doing? People just, they just go out rapid fire. They, they, they have no clue that they are ambassadors of Christ Jesus. Right? People are going, man, I don't want Jesus because of the ambassador. Right? Because we don't have a clue that we are actually workers with God. Our words actually matter. Our life actually matters. Look, we got to say, God, give me the grace to be an expert builder. I'm here because I'm trying to grow. Because as soon as we go back out of this staff meeting, i got to go back to work. And I can't build off of anything other than what's already been laid. Even if God sends someone else, they're going to have to build off of what I put down. You know, many t times when you're a preacher, you're, you're, you're trying to tear down most of the stuff that's been built. You're like, this was built with bad material, wrong timing, no permits, 
Like this was not built with excellence and passion and the, and the power in this word. This is a, this is a weird theology. And so we're just ripping apart. Before, when everyone comes here, I'm just like, God, all right, guns, get this apathy out of the way. Let's get this fear of man out of the way. Let's, let's remove this. And finally at the end, I give you five minutes of building. Some people say, man, it's like that last five minutes. There's something that happens. You ever been to a building site and, you know, you're like, when are they going to start? Every day they're just showing up and they got tractors and they're just going. It's dust is flying everywhere. When are they going to start? When are they going to start? If you ask one of the builders, when are you going to start building? Because, you know, you know what you mean and he knows what you mean. He'll laugh at you and say, we already started. The hole is the most important part of the building. We had to remove all the other layers that were there. So we could actually build something you see. Be careful how you build. This is if you know this if you're a parent. If you're a parent, you know, no matter if you are ready or not, you're building. (laughs) When the child comes, like, all right, praise God, help me out, Lord. You know, help me with all my selfishness and all my, man, you're building. Every word you're building. Every thought. Sometimes I'll say things to Brave and my little son is four and he'll start asking me why. Why? 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 It's funny how kids don't look for the what, they look for the why. Why? 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 And I'm like, oh God, oh I didn't mean that, but I mean this. And all of a sudden I've realized I have to now tear down half the stuff I built because they don't do what you say, they become who you are. My daughter will marry a man just like me. My son will become a man just like me. So I got to go, God, okay, when you're putting people like this in my life, I got to take notice that I'm a builder. I'm I'm, I'm a farmer. This is a field in front of me. How are you doing with your building? What kind of foundations are you laying out there? Some of us are like, man, I don't even got my foundation figured out. Well, then ask God for the grace that you need to get through what you got to get through while helping them get to what they got to get to. Amen? Amen. For no one can lay any other foundations already laid, which to me, he says, is Christ Jesus. If a man builds upon this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day, I love that word, the day will bring it to light. Now, a few weeks ago, we read that You need to build right on the right foundation because the storms are coming. Or we could say the night will bring it to light. But in this verse, God flips it on us and he says, build carefully because the day will also bring it to light. And then he goes on to say the fire of testing. Can I tell you this? Many times we prepare for the worst, but we don't often prepare for the best. I know, I, know, I know you know what it's like to fight through the storms. But what about when success comes? What about when the daylight comes? Because the daylight will test your materials just as much, if not more, than the midnight. God says the day will bring to light what you've used. When you get the award, it will bring to light the selfishness inside of you, the fear inside of you, the worry inside. When the business works out, When you say, will you marry me? And she says yes. That's the moment. It will test. I know we're preparing for the worst, but we got to be preparing also for the best. 
what if it actually works out? What if it actually blows up? What if God actually does what he's going to promise you he's going to do? What if, what if you do get healed? What are you going to do with the healing that you got? Many of us are praying for healing. God's not healing you just to be healed. He's healing you so you can go heal others because now you believe for it yourself. What happens when God makes you a blessed person? Will you be able to bless others? If you can't do it now, how will you do it then? The daylight will test you just like the midnight. We're not just building good foundations for the storms. We're building it for the victory that's already won in Christ. Look, the preachers that have failed in storms haven't affected me. It's the ones that have failed on the top that have affected me the most. And the same is true for you. Build that when the daylight comes, you will be ready for the weight that's coming and the victory that God wants to show when he pulls back all the barriers and God reveals what he's been building on the inside of you, that it was good material. And in order to do that, you've got to be willing to rip down some old stuff. Let me, let me say this, just a side note. Know that when the, when, the, when the person leading the construction starts tearing down the old stuff, it is proof that they believe that the land is valuable enough to spend time for what's coming. In fact, the tearing down is proof that something greater is about to be built. If you've been feeling broken down, it's not that God's mad at you. It's not that he's left you behind. It's actually that he believes in the land called your life that something great can go up there. You ought to say, God, work on me. Do whatever you need to do. Let the devil see it. Let everybody see it. I'm not embarrassed of it. I'm proud of it because, God, you wouldn't spend time tearing down old foundations if you weren't going to build something new. Right? Land that's not going to be built on weeds start growing. I mean, the sign starts getting dilapidated. When but you see construction crews showing up and digging start happening, you know that someone believes that something great can be put there. Look, I am, look, some of y'all, you ought to let the devil know you are a liar because you've been telling me that I'm worthless, that I'm no good, that God has forgotten me, but I couldn't be more ahead now than I ever have been in my life. says each the day will bring forth its light it will be revealed by fire and fire will be testing the quality of each man's work if what he builds survives he will receive a reward if it is burned up he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved only as one escaping from the flames now look building on our lives has nothing to do with salvation i think that's what we got to get out of the way because this says that the materials you use will be tested by the day, fire will come, storms will come, but, but Jesus is enough. No matter what I build on, no matter what I do, I cannot earn what he's already paid for. He says, you're going to make it whether you get a reward or not. You're going to be saved, but you might be saved as one escaping. <laughs> this is, this is, we're all trying to get good at escape artists. God's saying, you don't have to live like that, but, but if it ends with salvation and you don't put time into what's after salvation... I know God saved you out of Egypt, but he's working out the building process in the desert so you can get to the promised land. You've been saved out of Egypt. You're not going back to Egypt. Your slave master is dead. He drowned in the ocean God got you through. But it's up to you if that's the end. If it was, after, when people get saved in the back room and go back, we'd have a little door that said heaven, 
and you just jump right in. You get saved, jump right in. You don't have to deal with all these crazy people. No more 405 traffic. No more stress of your dreams. Right? But, but that's not the case. We turn you back around and you walk right out this door into hurt, pain, darkness. Because the end is not salvation. God has more for you. Right? So if he has more for me, what am I doing with my building? In, in buildings, um, there are several things that come to play. Now, I'm not really a builder. In fact, my wife would say I'm definitely not a builder. But I can imagine if I was. There are a few things you need. The first thing you need are tools. You cannot build without tools. My wife doesn't understand this sometimes, and she's like, why do you need more tools? I'm like, you cannot build without tools. What about the tools you bought last time? Well, a screwdriver does not work as a hammer. I've been trying to make it work, but I cannot get to where I'm getting to with the old tools I have. You're going to need tools. You're going to need to understand those tools. You're going to need to know what tools to use when. You're going to need to know what season you're in. Some of you aren't in the season to use the tool you're trying to work on, and you're neglecting the tool you need. Right? So, so, you know, I want that tool. We see someone else using the tool. So, man, that looks fun to use that tool. I want that tool. And God's like, we can't build the building if you use the wrong tool. Hammers do not work good at preparing the foundation. Right? Like, get this dirt out of the way. I got the hammer. I'm here with the hammer. And people are like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting time increasing that tool? It's not time for that yet. That doesn't mean you're not going to use that tool. But the season is the tractor. Get the tractor out here. Get inside the tractor and begin to learn how to use this weapon. This is the second one thing I want to say. You aren't the tool. The tool is in your hand. You are not a preacher. You're a son of God. Preaching is a tool. You are not a singer. You're a daughter of God. Singing is the tool. You're not a producer. You're a son of God. Producing is the tool. Look, you're not a leader. You're a son of God. Leadership is a tool. Look, whatever it is, the camera, whatever it is, the business, this is a tool that God is using in my life to build the building. I got to go, do I have the right tools? Well, God didn't call me to build anything that he didn't supply me with the tools for. So maybe I need to go to the tool shed and start trusting him with the tools he gave me. While we're looking over our neighbor's shoulder going, man, I wish I had that. Wish I had that kind of hammer. I got this one. Wish I had a, a nail gun, but I got a hammer. And God's like, well, I've, I've created you to be a finishing contractor. The, hand, the, the, the nail gun would be for if you just want to put it up fast. Look, the, God has given you the right tool for the right moment. You need to honor the tool. And look, if you're going to learn how to use a tool, you're going to have to fail at it a few times. You can read the instructions. You can hear about it. Someone can tell you about it. But if you're actually going to put your hands on it yourself and take this thing for a spin yourself, you're going to have to miss a few times before you hit it perfect. In fact, practice with it will become perfect in it. Paul said, thank you for the grace at helping me learn how to use the tools that I had available. How are you doing with the tools God's given you? Are you reading more about them? Are you studying others who knows how to use them? Do you have mentors that are helping you walk in this? How are you doing with the tools? Because the tools are the what. The people in this world are the why. Yeah. Come on. Right? 
And what will never bring you fame, excitement, joy, true joy, that will only bring you more heartache, more hurt? The why. The people behind the what, right? We're going to go out into this world and we're going to do a lot of different things. Some people are going to be bartenders. Some people are going to be moms. Some people are going to be dads. Some people are going to work at a restaurant. Some people are going to own the restaurant. Whatever it is, do it as unto the Lord, right? I'm going to use this camera as unto the Lord. This is my tool. The people behind it are my why. Right? So I'm using this. I'm learning. I'm not learning it to be seen. I'm not learning it to be noticed. I'm not learning it so people go, wow, look at that guy. He really knows how to use a hammer. He got the hammer award. He's the best hammerer in the world. Look, I don't give a rip if I become the best preacher in the world to have an award to be a preacher. I want to get better at preaching and communicating so that people can find the life so I can build the building sometimes the what can get so important that we forget the why and we get burned out by the what That's good. the tools you're going to need the right tools you're going to need the right workers if you're going to build something of significance you cannot do it by yourself True. right no building in this city that is tall and people live in it's stories tall was built by one guy it might have been a dream in one person's head but then it had to move into others hands you're going to have to make sure that there are people around you that have the same why. You're going to have to broadcast that why. You're going to have to be passionate about that why. You have to remind yourself about that why. You're going to have to have that why in you so much that it becomes who you are. When people look at you, they catch why you exist, why you're alive. And then those employees will begin to build with passion the thing that you're called to build together. You're going to need people in your life. You're going to have to stop cutting people out. You're going to have to start running from difficult relationships. You're going to say, God, teach me how to deal with people. Because people are a part of my process. People are a part of my destiny. Maybe that person that there's a problem with, a rift with, maybe it's spiritual. Maybe the enemy knows if you got together with that person. If they were your contractor, if they worked on this thing and you worked together, maybe there would be nothing you couldn't do. You know where the greatest part of coming together is? In our language. The Tower of Babel, they had the same language. And the the Bible says there is nothing they can't do. They can build to me. The the gods came in and said, if we don't confuse their language, they're going to get to us. God was actually saying, they're going to build to us. That is how powerful our language is. What we speak, what we believe, what we prophesy. We're, We're looking for people that speak like us, that talk like us. We're speaking into the atmosphere before the people arrive. We're believing over a dream. We're prophesying over a building. We're saying, God, I know you can do all that you can do. God, bring me workers. Bring me people. Help me to become a boss. God doesn't need more employees. He needs some bosses. Go on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a boss. You better believe it. I'm a boss. I'm a boss, man. I'm a boss. Look, you got to catch it. You're not an employee. You are not an employee of Christianity. You are a boss. God is trying to make you into a boss. What's the difference? Well, you've gone to that restaurant. You've gone to that coffee shop. The time on the door says 5 p.m. It is 4.50. And you walk in and they look at you like you're crazy. Don't you know we're closed? It's 4.50. We close at 5 o'clock. Uh-huh. It's 4.50. Well, we got to clean out the machine. We got to do it. It's 4.50. 
Okay, fine. Take your coffee. Some of you feeling guilty because you are that barista. But it's okay because you're not the boss. Or we could say you're not the owner. Because if the owner was serving the coffee that day, Oh, more customers. Praise God. Ten more minutes. One more minute. Thirty more seconds. Oh, we'll go ten minutes over. It's okay. We can go ten minutes over because it is valuable that you're here because whatever you put into this, I get a reward on the other. Look, I'm telling you, you are not an employee in the kingdom. You are an owner in the kingdom. You have investment into this. We got to get past this. I'm spending my time. I'm wasting my time. Look, when we say I'm spending, man, I really spent a lot of time doing this. I wasted time doing this. We are, we are seeing it wrong. Your time is not a waste. Your time, if you're a boss, is an investment. Man, that person really wasted my time. No, I invested time. Yeah, you could, if, if you see it that way, it is that. No, I invested my time. You know what an investment says different than a, than a spent, than a waste? When you spend, when you lose, when someone wastes, then you don't get any return on that. But investment says whatever I put in, I get more in return. Look, the kingdom is an investment. Every moment you catch, I am a kingdom worker. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. He has a destiny, and I am the owner of that destiny. God has given it to me. He's paid for it full right so I can walk in this business. I inherited this. So therefore, anything I put my money into, anything I put my time into, anything I put my life into, this is not a waste. I did not spend it. I invested it. You ought to just look at your name and say, I'm an investor. I'm an investor. I don't know if you know. I, I got things coming to me that I didn't even, I forgot I invested. I forgot I spent that time. I forgot I, I, forgot I poured that in. I've been investing for a long time. You know why this church is growing? Because I've been investing for a long time. Since 19 years old, I've been investing. I wonder what would have happened if I would have started at 15, 14. Would have came out investing. You're going to need workers. You're going to need permits. They said this is the most painful part of the process. Go get permits from the city. We built our whole office. Last time, we didn't get any permits. Don't tell anyone. They found out. After we left, someone was throwing parties up in our old office. We didn't get permits because permits take time. They take jurisdictions. They take effort. They take work. They cost. We didn't get permits, but, but the bad thing is now we wasted all that work we did because someone found out there was no permits in that office, and they came in and they made the owner tear it all down. I don't want to build where I'm not permitted to build. I don't want to go anywhere I'm not called to go. I don't want to be anywhere I'm not. I don't want to invest in any relationship I'm not supposed to invest into. Look, I've come to this with, with my speaking. I've said, God, you know what? If you want me at that event, put me at the events you want me at. If you don't want me there, I don't want to be there because I am not permitted to be in that atmosphere. I am not permitted to be on that plane. Look, I don't want to be on any plane I'm not permitted to be on. That plane's not sure to get to its destination. But when I'm where I'm supposed to be, I have God's grace. I have his mercy. He has covered me from behind, from above, from beneath. I am permitted. I am backed up. You know what a permit is? That you are backed up at the highest power. Stop building where God didn't call you to build. 
Stop trying to be who you're not called to be. Stop trying to fit into someone else's shoes. You are not permitted to be in it. It could look nice for a little while. It could feel right for a little while. But if he does not permit me to be there. Some people come and say, why aren't you doing that? Well, I haven't been been moved to do it yet. The Holy Spirit hasn't asked me to. When people build churches, sometimes they just build churches off of need. Right? We need this. Pastor, we need this. People, when we first started the church, Pastor, we need a men's group. Pastor, we need a women's group. Pastor, we need a Bible study. Pastor, we need... And I'm like, okay. But we're not operating off a of need. We're operating off the Holy Spirit. We don't build where there's a need just because there's a need. We, we build where we're permitted to build. And that may sound mean to y'all, but to me, it gives you a lifetime of living in the house you've built. It is an investment. My time is an investment. I'm not spending my time anywhere it's not called to be spent. It's an investment. It's an investment. Let me ask you, how are you investing your time? Are you building where you've been permitted to build? Are you just building where everybody sees you building? Are you building in their shoes? Are you living in yours? Come on, David, are you wearing your armor or are you wearing Saul's? Come on, you, you, are, you, are, you, are you living your best life? Are you living the life that they think you should live? Right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Holy Spirit. And, and here's the deal, not even the life you think you should live. Saying, God, where do you permit, what, what, what grace have you given me for today? What have you called me to? And the last thing that you're going to need is materials. The, the one material I just want to, I want to start the conversation on. We'll finish next week. It, the, the mo- one of the most important materials that I can see that we need to build with is, is the word hunger. I feel like God can do anything with a group of people that's hungry. I feel like I could preach any sermon to a group of people that's hungry. If, if, if I have hunger and the crowd has hunger and the workers have hunger, there is nothing we can't do. I've been to places, and I've been like, God, get me out of here. Like, I can't, I, I'm, I, and, I'll, and I'll go into my hotel room and say, man, am I that bad of a preacher? Like, was it that bad of a, I preached that 15 times. The last two places, we almost had a riot. Like, the Holy Spirit broke out. In that place, I looked like I lulled some people to sleep. There are some people that I've preached to them, and I'm like, dude, I am the next T.D. Jakes. Like, I get ready, get ready, get, I'm like, I'm like, come on, there is something happening. I've grown in my preaching, then I'll go to the next place, and I'm like, man, I am really bad. Like, I got to get better at this. I got to really work on this. I got to pray more. I got to, fa- and what God has shown me is it's not just the preacher. They're, 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 it's not just the builder. It's the materials that are being used that affect the building structure. And hunger is a key material in our life. Now, here's the deal. All of us are hungry. My question would be, what are you hungry for? My Bible says, those that hunger and thirst for... Oh, it doesn't say fame. Oh, it doesn't say video games. Oh, it doesn't say relationships. Oh, it doesn't say my own business. It doesn't say... Those that hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness shall be satisfied. Or another version says, shall be filled. You know how God responds to this building material in our lives of hunger? He goes, you're ready. You're ready. You know what God does? He, he says, look, he says, blessed are those. Many of us come to church and we want to be blessed. But this is, this is the pattern for blessing in our life, is hunger. Hunger is the pattern for God going, I want to use you. I want to bless you. You are the church. You know what God does in this environment right here even? He goes, 
You're hungry, you're going to be filled. Not you, not you, not you, not you. You're hungry, you're going to be filled. Not you, and I'm, it's not really true. I'm just using guys as an example. They're like, Pastor, I'm hungry. Please say I'm the hungry one. Pick me. This is what God does. He comes in this room and he goes, hungry, not hungry. Hungry, not hungry. Not hungry, not hungry, not hungry, hungry. And people leave this service in all different capacities. It was the same message. It was the same music. It was the same songs. But some leave satisfied and others leave empty. It doesn't always have to do with the sermon. It doesn't always have to do with the song. Most of the time, it has to do with the material that we bring in called hunger. What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for more of him? You know, a long time ago, I heard, I heard someone say it this way. They said, man, you know, the Bible says that if, if, if we come to Jesus, that we will be satisfied. So how do you get both hungry and also satisfied? Someone said, actually, I think it's a wrong theology to say, get hungry for God. Because if you really had God, you'd be satisfied. Well, this verbiage is to continually come to God, and you will be satisfied. It's different. Sometimes we, God, God does this. This is what God does. This word, even though it sometimes feels like hieroglyphics, it's God's attempt to take what's on the top shelf and put it on the bottom shelf for us. It's God's attempt to go, I know you don't get this, so I'm going to talk like a farmer. Do you know God's not a farmer? He's not a construction worker, but he's like, he's giving us ways so that we can wrap our brain around supernatural, really deep stuff. When he talks about hunger, he's, trying, he's not trying to make it complicated. He's actually trying to make it easy. And we go, God, I'm going to make this complicated again. So let's just stop thinking about complicated things, and let's think about what he's saying. To those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'm going to feed you. You're going to be filled. This word, then he goes, when you come to me, you're going to be satisfied. You're going to have stuff that no one else has. Right? So what happens with hunger? Let's just think about hunger for a second. Did anyone in this room eat one time for their whole life? Okay. So this is what we think with God. Oh, we're going we're gonna to eat one time with God, and we're going to be satisfied for the rest of my life. God's like, oh, I was saying hunger so you can understand. When you're hungry, it happens over and over and over again. It's a never-ending tank. You keep needing more, then you get what? Satisfied, then you wait a few hours, and if you eat a lot, if you eat in many intervals, you get hungry faster. You eat just enough to sustain you, and then you get hungry faster. This is what God wants to do with your life. He doesn't need you to eat everything. He just needs you to digest some things that are happening today. So in a few hours from now, when pastor's not here, you can open up the, the fridge. You can open up the word. And you can go, man, I'll take a piece of this. I'll eat another part of this. And you're hungry again, and you get satisfied again. Hunger is reciprocal. It happens every day, all day long. God wants you to get hungry like that, like your body's hungry. Like many of you are like, when are you going to end? Because i got to go to lunch. Well, you ate sometime this morning, so you should be fine. Until Jesus comes back. No, no, I need food again. <laughs> Weren't you satisfied this morning? Yeah, I was, but I'm, I'm not satisfied now. I'm getting hangry. Well, what if we started acting like that in our spirit? We started using the material of hunger in our lives. And if you're not hungry for this, then what are you being fed off of? I don't know about you, but if I eat too many snacks, I'm a snacker. That's 
I'm a salty snacker. I don't even like sweets. I just eat peanuts and almonds. And at 3 in the morning, I'm waking up with this almond craving. And I'm like, there's got to be almonds. I'm rustling through everywhere. My wife, she knows it. She's like, I'm cooking. Don't eat any almonds. Don't eat any salty stuff. I'm cooking. Why is she saying that? Because if I eat that, I'm not going to be hungry for what's coming. God is saying, create room for me. Get an appetite for me. Get a passion for my word. Let this be your hunger. Let this be the thing that drives you. Get enough of it. Keep saying, well, I want more of it. Look, hunger is reciprocal. Hunger has to take place over and over. Anything that has to take place often, you're going to need a system. Right? Anything you have to do over and over again, it's better to get a system because you're going to forget it. You're going to not have a plan for it. Right? You better get a plan. Some people in here that like to eat, they get plans. They get meal plans. They prep. They got the whole week laid out because I don't want to end up in a place without a plan with something I have to have. With your bills. If you don't get a plan on your bills, you forget you got a phone bill. You know you got one, but for some reason they didn't send it. So anything that happens over and over again, you need a system and you need a plan to fulfill it. Many of us want to be close to God. We want to have a relationship with God. We want to be hungry for God. We know we're going to need it continually, but we don't get a plan to fulfill it because we think God is magic. We're like, God, it's magically going to happen. God's like, no, I'm super, you're natural. The super and the natural work together. I create the super salvation. Now you need to naturally walk out what salvation looks like. You have to get a plan. If you don't have a plan to get hungry for God, if you don't have a plan to eat, guess what? You're going to forget to eat. And if you forget to eat long enough, you start getting malnourished and you start not being hungry anymore. Many of us come to church and we have no hunger. We look at the preacher like, okay, I'm on Instagram. This is boring. Is anything else? I mean, it's because we're filled off of all other kind of things. We have not made up. It it's not because we're bad people. It's not because we don't love God. We don't want to get hungry. It's because we have not planned for it. Many people come to me and say, man, I just didn't feel anything today. Well, you're not hungry. You're not hungry. So it's weird to eat a steak coming off a fast. When I come off a 30-day fast, a 10-day fast, even a 3-day fast, I cannot go right into eating steak. If I do, it will make me sick. Many of you have not eaten for years, and you expect to walk in and just get everything God has for you. You've got to start with the little things. You've got to start with little things you can digest. Look, let me tell you this. You are not what you eat. You are what you digest. Everyone's coming here eating this thing. I'm like a fire hydrant. I'm just giving you all kinds of stuff. You're like, whoa, stop. I mean, this is enough. And you're not digesting everything I said. One person here got, oh, man, that intro, man, that tool thing, man, that really spoke to me. Another person's like, man, this end right here, this really hit me. Another person's like, man, just, just you being loving. That's, that's speaking of our, the usher I met. Whatever God is feeding you today, yeah. grab a hold of it and start saying, God, I'm going to digest this. Because tomorrow's going to come, and my hunger's going to increase, and my appetite's going to increase, and my metabolism's going to increase. I'm going to need more fuel for where I'm going. Look, don't eat for where you're at. Eat for where you're going. My son, he, he, he is four years old, and he has this passion to get strong. So everything he's eating, he's like, will this make me strong? Will macaroni and cheese make me strong? I was like, honey, I don't, son, I don't think that will make you strong. Well, I really like it, so I'm going to eat it. But can, what else can I eat that will make I mean, he's just, he's just like a garbage dump, just eating for where he's going. He's not eating for where he's at. He's eating for where he's going. 
But if you want to continue eating, you got to feed where you're at. Now, this is the last thing I'll say. You got to feed where you're at. Many times we, 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 we know we got to eat for where we're going, so we also feed where we're going. If you're going to eat for where you're going, that's right, but you got to feed where you're at. The tree that God designed is not trying to feed other trees. It's leaves that fall are all in a cycle to even feed itself. When the leaves fall off a tree, the leaves that are there, they are not there just for covering and shelter and so the bugs will eat them before the fruit. When the leaves fall, there is a purpose even in their death. In their death, they feed the tree because they feed the soil that the tree stands in. Many marriages are falling apart not because you're not eating for where you're going because you're not feeding where you're at. Many men feed the wife they want instead of the wife they have. Man, I wish you were like her. And they start talking to her and wish she could be like you. And all of a sudden they got this love affair going on in their head. Instead of going, nope, there's destiny inside you. There's purpose. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for the life you've lived. If you feed what's feeding you, you will continue to grow. Many churches are in now new church, jacked up churches because people are withholding feeding their pastor who's feeding them. You know what you feed me by? Your response, your hunger. When you're hungry, it feeds me and I feed into you. It's a reciprocal thing. That's how it goes down. You're like, ah, prove it to me. Earn my love. Do what you got to do. I want to feed the church I want to go to. And God, you're starving the source. You're starving what's feeding you. Look, feed where you're at. Feed what's feeding you. And stop feeding what's not feeding you. Feeding fear, it's not giving anything back. I'm just going to keep feeding it. Feeding anger, it's not giving anything back. Feeding offense, it's not giving anything back. Feed what feeds you, not what doesn't. And watch yourself grow to another level. Watch hunger begin to happen in your life. Watch you become all that God's going this is a material I need in my building. I need hunger. Stir up my hunger. Give me hunger in the midnight. Give me hunger in the daylight. Do something in me. God, I'm going to grab all of that one thing and pull it in. I'm going to start living it out. God, I want to get hungry. Look, stop waiting for magic days. Start waiting for super days. God wants to feed you in the natural everything he formed it started super and he created a system in the natural we just turned that system into religion don't let it become religion let it become relationship look if me and my wife do not have a date on the calendar once a week guess what we won't go on a date i have to create dates and times and plans with God. I have to make room in my calendar for community. I have to make room in my calendar for fearless life. If that's my Bible study, I have to make room in my calendar to serve, to give back. I have to make room in my life to go to God, to walk. Look, God gives seed to the sower, not seed to the keeper. God refreshes those who are refreshing. When I sow into what's feeding me, God begins to feed me. Look, press down, shaking together, running over. God wants to pour into your lap something new. But you got to say, God, I'm going to keep serving notice on the things underneath me that are feeding me. I'm going to feed those relationships that are pouring into me. I'm going to feed those families. I'm going to feed my wife. I'm going to feed my husband. I'm going to feed my... Will you grab your neighbor's hand across this room and
We're just going to pray right now. Jesus, we just thank you for this family. We thank you for, Lord, this group of people. We thank you that, Lord, we get so excited when we get together, we run out of time. And Lord, we just, we just are excited about what you're doing and why you're doing it in us, God. And Lord, thank you that we are moving from employees to bosses. God, thank you that we are owners. God, you have given us ownership of our destiny, ownership of seeing this world change, ownership of building something people that are far from you could come come into the house we're building and they can be a part of something great into our lives, God. Lord, I pray that we would start getting hungry. Lord, as we get hungry, Lord, you would be attracted to us. Lord, you did so many miracles in the Bible. Lord, that were unplanned, unannounced because of hunger. Lord, we stir up our hunger. We stir up our faith. We stir up our passion. Lord, we get out of this mold of apathy and this mold of being Christians, God, and this mold of being the church. And Lord, we ask that we become sons and daughters again. We become like little children again. God, give us hunger. Stir our hunger, God. Ignite our flame, God. In your name. If you're in this room under the sound of my voice and you feel dead on the inside, Nothing can change it except for the life of Jesus. If you're in here, you could have been going to church your whole life. You could be like me when I was 19 years old. I had grown up under the pew, but I did not know the life and love of Jesus like I do know today. If you're in this room and you've been waking up dead, going to sleep dead, working dead, fathering dead, mothering dead, doing whatever you were, just like a person checking off a box. He say, man, I want real life to enter my life. Maybe again or maybe for the first time. Yeah. I want you on the count of three, you're with family, to squeeze that person's hand next to you. Ready? One, two, three. Say, man, I'm tired of being dead. My Jesus does not make bad people good. He makes dead people live. Yeah. If you want all that he has to offer, you, you want his life. He's not a, not a God of religion. He's a God of relationship. He yeah. wants to come and live inside you and fill you till you are satisfied and longing for more. That's you to squeeze your neighbor's hand and say, that's me, man, I'm, I need that life, I need that life, I need that life, I'm tired of being dead. If your neighbor squeezed your hand on the count of three, I want you to lift that hand, ready? One, two, three. Come on, hands are going up all over this room. Hands are going up all over this room. I see those hands, I see those hands. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.